Man, this feels like a southern church in the States. This is good. The fans are going. Everyone is, uh, is everyone feeling okay? Okay, yeah. If you need to go out, I know it's not the sermon. You just go out, get cooled off, come back in. Because the message today might be a little spicy too. Um, my, uh, my microphone has is, is got some things going on with it. So I don't know if that's me. If that is, tell me. If not... I will just continue to go along and today's message has really two parts and and the reason it has two parts is because we're approaching a difficult passage in Ephesians. Some scholars refer to this passage as a minefield that Ephesians 5 uh, verses 22 and following where Paul teaches about marriage They say it's a bit like navigating a minefield, like you don't want to step on one, right? And in 2022, this message is even more controversial or difficult to speak about because we really don't understand the context. And so the first half of my message this morning is on biblical interpretation. And the second half will be on the passage itself. You see, we need to read the Bible in context. We need to understand when it was written, who it was written to, why it was written, what was the culture, what was the original language. Even before we approach some difficult passages like we're going to look at today, it's important to know how to read the Bible. So today, I'm not going to teach you what to think. I'm going to teach you how to think. I'm not going to teach you what the Bible says. I'm going to teach you how to read the Bible. And the first half of this message, you can actually apply in your life to every time you pick up the Word. Every time you open Scripture, any passage that you come across, you can go through this, keep these notes, and uh, use them. Biblical interpretation has a fancy word. It's called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the process of rightly interpreting the Bible. Now, how many of you here have come across a scripture, a passage, a verse that you didn't understand? A couple of us. The rest are liars. (laughs) Or you ain't reading the word. Because the Bible is sometimes difficult. The Bible was written many years ago to a different people in a different culture, who spoke a different language than many of us speak in 2022. It was not written to a Canadian audience. It was written to a Jewish, Greek, Roman people. And so I'll give you an example. I remember during my master's, we were learning about interpretation on a much deeper level than we'll go today. Don't worry. I know you're sweating. But... uh, and we came across this passage, and, and the verse was this. It was Proverbs 25, 13. And people in my class are from all over the world, right? So it says this, like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a trustworthy messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the soul of his master's. And we got to this passage, and our professor was starting to talk about it, and one of our classmates said, hold on a second, I live in Africa. What is this snow like? I've never touched snow. I've never felt snow. I don't know how refreshing snow can be. 
I've seen it in a movie. I, I've seen it in shows. People talk about it. I see people doing this funny thing on blades down this snow. But I've never felt it. So I don't know this snow to be refreshing on a hot day. Amen? Yeah. How many wish it would start snowing in the sanctuary right now? Come on, Lord. I mean, we've seen it. We want to see it again. And, and it was funny because, you know, to me, I understand snow. I grew up in Canada. I understand the context of this. It's refreshing. It's, it cools you off. But here's somebody in Africa across the, the globe who had no idea what we were talking about. It takes proper interpretation to understand the Bible. There are many different ways that one goes about interpreting Scripture. Also, as, as a bit of a side note, um, actually two, two side notes. One is Pastor Jen is speaking in Powell River. And so uh, we just pray for her this morning that as she preaches, uh, that it would be hotter there than it is here. No, just kidding. <laughs> that uh, she would be blessed in the spirit. And uh, so she's preaching in Powell River. And then I'll be away for the next couple weeks with my family. And we're going to enjoy uh, some cool lake water and weather, and I'm looking forward to it. So um, the other thing that I wanted to mention is, if you're interested in Bible interpretation after this message, I'm thinking about teaching a class on it. So if you want to, just go to our website or uh, fill out a contact card and just say, I'm more interested in this thing called interpretation. And if there's enough uh, feedback, I'll teach a course on it. How does that sound? Good. Give me a minute here, though, because you may not, you know, love it. Um, when we wrongly interpret the word of God, it leads to damage. In fact, improper doctrine comes from improper interpretation, which can lead people down a path of wounding and hurt. I've seen actually doctrine rise up within the church that is not biblical, simply due to the fact that pastors take verses out of context and build complete theology and doctrine around it. And pretty soon you've wandered so far from what the Bible actually means that you're actually teaching false doctrine. As I read the Bible, it's important to understand that there are four main distances that unfortunately we come to the word with. The first distance that we come to the word with is the distance of time. Time. The Bible was written 1900 years ago. And so with that, over time, we can lose sight of the meaning. The second distance is that we face, and this is in your notes, is the distance of culture. The Bible was written primarily to a Jewish people or a Greek people living within a Roman context in the New Testament or a Greek context in the New Testament or primarily a Jewish context in the Old Testament. So unless you're Jewish, Greek, um, or Roman, or well, I'm Italian, that's kind of Roman, that's why I get it, you know, but for all of you who may not be, you know, so well-versed in the Roman ways and the Greek ways and the Jewish ways, it's really easy to misinterpret. The third is the distance of geography. 
I don't know, have you been to Israel or Greece or Italy? Even Italy today isn't what it was, right? And so we have this distance of culture. And of course, we have a distance of language that the Bible was written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, which Jesus spoke. And so immediately when we come to the scripture and we realize it was written a long time ago to a people a far distance away in a different culture who spoke a different language, how many know that it's pretty easy to misinterpret some passages? Now with that being said, I have to add a little caveat. And the caveat is this, or the disclaimer is this, the Bible is still God's inspired word of God, spoken by the Holy Spirit through human beings. The Bible is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible is not just a book to be dissected with time and culture and language and so on and so forth. It is still the inspired word of God. Thought there was going to be an amen there, but I'll just keep going here. Um, We all have improper interpretation of scripture at times. This is one time in the Bible where Jesus is being tempted by Satan. And Satan actually uses scripture to tempt Jesus into sinning. And in these passages, it's interesting to see how the enemy had a bad biblical interpretation. Because Jesus would always uh, come back at him with a proper interpretation of Scripture. Now, I'm not saying we can fight all of our spiritual battles with proper biblical interpretation. I'm just saying that the enemy can use Scripture against you. And when we learn to interpret the Word of God correctly and we join the Holy Spirit with that interpretation, we are rightly dividing the word of God. I'll give you one example of one interpretation. The Bible has different genres Not all of the Bible is one way, narrative. It's not all poetry. It's not all prophecy. It's not all um, biography or autobiography. It's not all songs and wisdom literature. It's all of that. The Gospels are story. But Psalms, much of it is poetry. In Isaiah, we'll, we'll read this verse. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Oh, good, it's here. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Now, if we look at this passage of Scripture and we bring kind of our scientific lens to it, and we look for the proof that the Bible is true from a scientific lens, and we go, you know what, I've never heard mountain singing. I've never seen uh, trees clapping. Oh, I guess in this case, the, the Bible's probably not accurate. 
Well, this passage is, is not speaking of mountains actually singing. It's not speaking of, of trees actually clapping. The language used in the scripture is called emotive language. It's seeking to create an emotion within us. It's not just giving us knowledge in our head. It's, it's, it's giving us this heartfelt worship. And so when I read this passage and I come to the Lord and I think about mountains singing and trees clapping, I give God the glory because all of nature worships him. I don't look at this going, I never saw a mountain sing. I never saw a tree clap. It's called personification, right? We learned this in school, right? Personification. When a human attribute given to an inanimate object... It's called personification. What is Isaiah using here? Isaiah is using wordplay to create an emotional response. And the beautiful thing about that is that it bypasses my mind. It goes to my heart. And as I worship the Lord, I can, just, I can sense the mountains singing. And I can sense the trees clapping. And it draws me to the majesty of God and how big and how grand and how wonderful he is. I could miss the whole point of the passage if I'm simply looking for mountains singing and trees clapping. Because the Holy Spirit uses poetic language to touch that core of our being. I just love watching Grace hand out water right now. I feel like I'm on an airplane and the stewardess is going by. Can I get you anything? And you know what I love about church is there is no first class. All right. We are all together in this thing. So just because a verse has a specific context, another disclaimer. Just because a verse has a specific context, it was written in a specific language to a specific people a great distance away, it doesn't mean that God can't take it out of context to speak to you personally. They didn't teach me that in, in my masters. They never got to that point. But I believe that because how many of us have, have, have these moments in our lives where a scripture in one season can mean one thing and it's a, in another season it means something else? You know, how many of us on our refrigerator have the joy of the Lord is my strength? Most of us don't even understand the context that was written in, but it is. It's true. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so God can break his own rules. But we just have to be careful when we're making sweeping statements. We have to be careful when we're teaching. We have to be careful when we're forming doctrine and theology based on our opinion. So our main point this morning, we're there. I love you. But this group is highly favored. Amen. So now we get to Ephesians 5, 18 to 33. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus in the first century. 
He's writing to a predominantly Greek and Roman culture infused with Jewish culture. He's writing to three cultures. He's writing this passage called a household code. A household code, which means this is about wives and husbands. If you're a husband or a wife, just, this is going to be good. It's for all relationships, though. At the time, men were domineering over women. Women had no purchasing rights legally. If a woman wanted to purchase, by the way, this is not how I feel. This is the context. Wow, I should have said that at first. This is not how I feel. This is the context for the way the scripture was written. So if, um, if a wife wanted to buy a piece of land, she had to go to her husband to ask him, can I go and buy this piece of land? Um, men were obviously the, not just the head of the household, they were so domineering. Like in Roman culture and in Greek culture, a woman was a servant. Uh, a Jewish prayer went something like this. Thank God I'm not, uh, you know, a, a Gentile, a heathen, or a woman. That's what they would pray every morning. Women were actually less than children in the homes. In Roman culture, there was so much prostitution that, that, that women were, were the one that bears children while the men went off and slept with prostitutes. So the context with which Paul is writing in is super important. Josephus, who's a writer during this time who, who penned um, lots of historical um, and literary and cultural documents from the first century, Josephus himself said, one day, I, I basically summarized, one day I left my wife because I didn't like what she did that day. And it wasn't adultery. So this is the culture we come to. Here's the beginning of it. We're going to start in, in 18, which for some reason in our Bibles, it's, you start after verse 21, but I'm going to start before that. It's really important when you're looking at Scripture to look at what comes before it and what comes after it. Paul says this, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Highlight that. Underline it. If you don't do that sort of thing, memorize it. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. How we approach the next passage, the next section of scripture, is with this in mind. This is why this message is called mutual submission. There's a submitting of one to another for every person in relationship, in the church, in the home, in friendship. There is a mutual submission. Paul says, address one another in psalms and hymns. Why do we do that at church, but we go home and we don't do that? I don't mean sing worship songs. I mean, when I approach 
my spouse, it should be, Paul says, like a hymn, a song. When I talk to my wife, it should be harmony. When I talk to my wife, it should be a wonderful sound like the one we heard on Sunday morning. But many times we fight on the way to church and we fight on the way home from church. But in church, we're good. Yeah, bad interpretation. Giving thanks in everything. Paul is talking about all relationships. All relationships. Now we come to the next passage. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. I'm going to leave this up from, actually, if you could back up to 22 again. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. In the original language, the word submit actually doesn't exist. So this should read, wives, to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 23 and 24, 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So, again, based on this passage in 23, the, head, the husband is the head of the wife, and so in verse 22, it is inferred submit. But I want to be clear, the word submit isn't there. Because that one, that one verse, 22, has caused many a fight in a many a home. 24, now as the church submits to Christ, there the word submit is there. So also wives should in everything to their husbands. The word submit does not exist there. Submission is inferred in the passage, but it's important to just look at the original language. You can do that with any passage. Go to blueletterbible.org. That's a good free resource just to look at the original passage. So this infers submission. Men being the head. Do you think this would have been a revolutionary passage to the context that I told you about? Not at all. Of Wives, submit to your husbands? Of course. My husband is, treats me like a servant. I can't buy land. I can't do this. I can't do that. I, I'm an object. I'm property. He goes and sleeps with the concubine and comes home to me. Of course wives submit to your husband. Like that's not the main emphasis that Paul is establishing. That's a total given. We read it in 2022 and we think submission is this lowly word that, that you know, women are supposed to be so much lower. We're not realizing that the context Paul writes in is not 2022. The main emphasis that Paul is drawing our attention to is actually what follows. Ephesians 5, 25 and following. 
this is unheard of. This is absurd. This is crazy. Like they would have, they would have hung Paul for this. He's speaking against the cultures when he says this. Countercultural. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. This passage would have been one of the most radical. This would have been that marriage conference that everybody leaves. This is absurd. Husbands, love your wife in the same way that Jesus Christ, like Jesus died on a cross. Jesus gave up everything. We, we heard today, Victoria shared this. It's just totally in the spirit, but I, this is what Jesus did for us. And being found in human form, but he took on the form of a servant. So it says Jesus emptied himself and took on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And, and Paul says that in Philippians, that is what husbands do for their wives. Mutual submission. With Sonia and I, and this is just our marriage, this is just the way it works in our context, in our culture, in our home, this is just my opinion, you can take it or leave it, I don't really care, I have the microphone, but this is the way we do it, is we have mutual submission. There are things that Sonia is gifted at. There's things that Sonia is anointed in. There's wisdom that Sonia has that I don't have. It would take me a lifetime and more to learn all the things that God has blessed her with and anointed her with and put inside of her. And then there's things that I know that she doesn't know. And it would take her a lifetime and more to learn all that stuff. But what God does is he takes two people and he says, you are one flesh. You are united in the spirit. You are one. And as you mutually submit to one another through prayer, based on gifting, based on anointing, Sonia has full access into my life to correct me. Full access into my life to speak wisdom. Full access to encourage full access to tell me I'm doing something right or I'm doing something wrong. I have given Sonia full access to me. 
I am fully yielded to her. She, on the other hand, is fully yielded as well. And she has fully given herself to me. And we spend time arguing over who should submit based on selfishness. I'll tell you, if husbands would love their wives the way Christ loved the church, who wouldn't want to yield to that kind of love? The reason that I personally, my opinion, take it or leave it, the reason that this wrong submission where this husband controls the wife and and tells her what to do and where to go and has this controlling kind of weird dynamic, the problem with that is, is it's like you're saying the same Holy Spirit isn't in her. I mean, come on. It says the Holy Spirit is within us. I want to hear Holy Spirit in my wife. Not submitting just to gender. Submit to Christ. Submit to Holy Spirit. The book of Proverbs is is called wisdom and and wisdom is referred to as her. Come on. Like really. It is hot up here. Oh my goodness, it's getting hotter even, not the temperature, just I can feel it. I'm not telling you what to think. I'm telling you how to think. What works for you and your wife? What works for you and your husband? Talk about it. When Sonia and I were first married, I think last time I explained the one about video games, so I'll leave that one alone. I have a few of these. I love drinking milk, cold milk. I take milk, I put it in a glass cup, I put it in the freezer for about 10 minutes. I mean milk so cold your teeth will chatter. I love it. It's just before it freezes. And I used to drink milk. I still do, every night. And I had this funny way of, (laughs) I would drink the milk, and then I would leave the glass on the couch. And this magical thing happened every day. This cup somehow got to the dishwasher, got clean, went back into the cabinet, and it was there again the next day. Men, have you experienced this? Stuff you throw at random places in the house ends up clean, folded, and back in its right place. We're basically children still. It's amazing. Then my wife had enough. She had enough of the milk-coated bottom cups, and she said, honey, Could you do something for me? What, sweetie? Can you take your glass from the couch? 
to the dishwasher. And can you even rinse it out before you put it in the dishwasher? Because dairy, you know, dairy leaves that thing on the bottom. I had no idea. Because it was always clean. Now it's way easier for me to just sit on the couch, drink my milk, and ignore that request. And we all have these requests. But I changed. <laughs> because there is this mutual sacrifice. Well, that's just decency. There's this mutual back and forth. What do you need from me? You know, we go back and forth and there's little things I can name. I have a whole list of things that I've changed because I love my wife. And our relationship is, this is going to sound crazy, is more important than my comfort. And in mutual submission, I am looking for opportunities to love her in that way. And I don't do a great job of it. I, I fail all the time. I've got lots of other stories to share over the next 20 years. But I, I just, we mutually submit. I had a wonderful meeting this week with a, a member of our, from our Chinese group. And he was sharing with me just his journey during COVID. He owned a business in China and he was always working there. And he would come home and he would see his family for very short periods of time. And then he would go back to China to run the business. I'm sure many of you can understand. We, we meet lots of people in our church are in the same situation. And what I'm going to describe to you is not for every marriage. It's not for every family. It doesn't work for every Chinese marriage. So just so we're clear. And he said, but during COVID, I had to stay in Canada because I couldn't go back to China. And in that time, he had begun reading the Bible. He actually read through the Bible in four days. I know. I felt guilty too. <laughs> Don't worry. I can't even do that on audiobook. Um, he just sat and read it cover to cover. And then he began to change. And he realized God was asking him to do something for his marriage and for his family. God was asking him to forget the business in China, leave it, and stay and live with his family with no promise of an income. You know what he did? He went back to China and worked. I'm just kidding. That would be a horrible ending to the story. That would be terrible. No, what he did was he sacrificed his business, safety, financial support, because God told him to. That's loving our wives as Christ loved the church. And then it's this beautiful picture too. I, I really wanted this not to be specifically to marriages, but to all of us. But there's another just beautiful picture that he says that, um, that when husbands lo love their wives, he says this, that in the same way that Jesus might sanctify the church, 
having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Well, God told me a, a few years ago, he said, Joel, your words wash, sanctify, cleanse your wife. Like the things I say, Paul is saying that it's so powerful, our words, our language, our conversations. It's so powerful that he, he actually, he compares it to the way that, that Christ, his written and spoken word has sanctified us. He says, I'm just drawing these parallels between that's actually the effect that you can have on your wife, Joel. Jesus washed the church with his word. We as men are to wash our wives with our words. How are we doing? You know, with this heat, I really was gonna do a salvation message. And I was simply gonna say, you can go to heaven or you can experience this times 10. Just kidding. So I have found a way that works for Sonia and I in our marriage to attempt this thing called a healthy relationship. And it's hard. And there's days you don't want to, but it's the best thing for your relationship. I have another small example, and then I will invite the worship team up. We live on a farm. Uh, I, I use that word loosely. It's more acreage. But I remember a few months ago, we, we had about 75 animals on the farm. And I remember this moment where Sonia came to me, dare I say, yet again, with a desire to have another animal. Now, you have to understand something. When animals come, they usually come by twos or fives on our farm. And so we'd worked our way up to about 75. And Sonia came to me and she said, there's this really, this is good. Oh, actually, she started with this. This will be really good for the kids. I'm like, okay. Let me guess, they're going to get a job. No, there's this really cute pony, that marshmallow. And um, let's show marshmallow. Do we have that picture? Because you've been asking for a picture and... So that's Marshmallow, um, not the one on the right, that's Joshua, and then that's Anya, and that's Marshmallow there. And this pony has brought so much joy to our, our family and our life, and actually Anya, who's there, she thinks it's only her pony, so we've got to work that out a little bit. Um, but she, every day, she cleans the stall, she picks up the, we call them apples, but they're poop, um, she picks them up, and she cleans the stall, and she brushes her, and and our, our kids ride her. But a lot of you said we heard Marshmallow and we just keep picturing a giant Marshmallow. Um, but this is our pony Marshmallow. So that's, that's a picture. She's adorable. She's a really sweet pony. I don't really know ponies, but she seems sweet. Um, but I remember thinking about that because I really didn't want to get this pony. Like, isn't 75 animals enough? No, just for me? Yeah, enough, enough. Um, including the kids, is 80 animals. Um, 
But you know what I realized was my life is a life poured out. I pour myself out for my family. And I pour myself out for you. Mutual submission is not just in marriage. You see, I'm technically the lead pastor. I'm technically the leader. So technically, a lot of people here technically would submit. But I submit to you. I submit to you every day. Every time I am in a counseling session or prayer session, every time I teach or preach, every time I lead anything, I am actually submitting to you. I serve you. I think of what's good for you. I try to do my best up here to sacrifice time, energy, effort, all of that so that I can deliver something to you that's from God. This is not one-way submission. This is mutual submission. And I believe all healthy relationships are mutual submission. Otherwise, you end up with master-slave. And so I I want to encourage you in all of your relationships, because we all have sticky relationships, not just in the home, but in general. And in all of our relationships, we can do a better job of what can I do for the other today? And so I want to pray that over you. Father, thank you for this biblical concept of mutual submission, Lord. And I thank you for your word that is true and active. And I pray, Lord, that we would rightly interpret Apply it to our lives based on that, Lord. I pray that we would check our preconceived notions, Lord, at the door whenever we approach your word. Even now, we take just a few seconds, a few moments to ask you to point out, to search, to reveal areas that need adjusting to those around us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.